You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Jay Spence, the King. My man, Joe Miller, is not with us tonight. He is traveling. And I think he's he told me he was at uh, Foxborough. Actually, he's a trader tonight. He's out there in New <laughs> England. But you are listening to the Hump Day Hotline on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network presented by Picasso Pizza. Treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's. We are Buffalo Pizza shipping local and nationwide order at PicassoPizza.net. Tonight I am excited and thrilled to be joined by one of the goats in Buffalo as far as media is concerned. If it ain't Sal, then it's this guy right here, my dude Matt Perino. <laughs> what is going on, Matt? What is up, my man, dude? It's good to be uh, back on the show with you and if anybody's tuning in from uh, our show uh, that ended about a half hour ago, welcome i think this is probably too much matt perino for you for one night but that's okay like <laughs> let's get after it no no it's never too much matt man like for real when i give compliments like i don't know if you notice but i give them to like specific people i don't just like really be nice to everybody you really <laughs> that dude man like we appreciate you so thank you for taking the time out and doing this and ryan is you know he's in the same class so i just really appreciate you know both of you always being willing to jump in and help whenever you can so man thank you uh you know what i forgot to i haven't even spoken to you since since early september when you you know for those who are listening on via podcast and now watching um with for the vidcast matt came through to so i did every if everybody remembers i did the uh the karaoke event in honor and memory of my aunt pearl and we raised some really good money that night we did a lot for the church good samaritan is happy they love it um but matt came through as like a celebrity I don't even know what to call it. I guess a celebrity guest. And he came and sang his heart out, man. And I never got a chance to say thank you. I was going through some things that weekend, so I just didn't get to connect with you. But, man, thank you, man. You showed up big time. Yeah. I didn't have as many Coronas as I would have liked to have had before <laughs> going and doing that. Um, and I think it was uh, Emily, I think, if I'm correct, who picked the song, uh, which was My Milkshake Brings All the Boys mm -hmm. to the Yard. And, yeah, that will live in um, – infamy if you want to call it that it was uh it was something 
Well, you definitely. I feel like you, there's some video floating out there somewhere. So next yeah, time have, don't 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 put that over. Don't put that over. Okay, there's no we'll, video we'll, out there. <laughs> so, but let's get into it, man. I feel like um, so Hump Day. Obviously, what we do on Hump Day is we. It's the middle of the week, so we kind of review the game that we just got done with, and then we kind of look forward to the game that we got coming up. So, you know, let's get right into it, man. The first one, I just – before I even ask you what your final thoughts are on the game, I do want to know, are the Jets really good? Like, you know, it's like it, it, it almost bothers me as a Bills fan because I talk all of this crap to all of these Jets fans, and it's like your quarterback is cheeks. He's not good. Your defense is okay. Like, I'll give them their respect, but – the receivers don't even matter because the quarterback can't throw it to them. Are they actually a good team, man? Like, what am I looking at? They're a good team. Um, from I can't say from top to bottom because you start with the quarterback, and I do agree that there's some challenges there for the organization. But I tweeted it out. I went back and watched the game, and I've been so impressed with Robert Sala. Like he's done such a great job. Like that thing was kind of like imploding early with the way that they were struggling. They had some early season struggles and, you know, he just puffed out his chest and said, stick with us. And you're going to see people that are, are, are kind of knocking us right now. They're going to eat their words and man, have people eating their words. I ate them last week. I, I didn't think there was any way that the, the jets could win that game because I was sure that Zach Wilson was going to make enough mistakes that no matter what the Jets defense did, it wasn't going to be enough. And that obviously wasn't the case. And they they really uh, maybe, you know, unearthed some problems that the Bills thought uh, that they had buried, you know, in the middle of last season with the run defense and, you know, the, the red zone inefficiency and the inability of their own run game to a degree. And so, yeah, there's questions. But, you know, the one biggest difference that I, I – I will say this year to me that sticks out is there was no Von Miller last year. You know, he seems like he's taking this personal, like the way that they've gotten run on the last six quarters. And, you know, he's, he prom he made a promise to bills fans that they're going to get a fix. And they, they got the players to get a fix. Like Daquan Jones is not going to have a lot of days like that. You know, he wasn't great against the jets. Um, I didn't think Ed Oliver was great. I think some people maybe marked him up. Uh, a little bit better than I did. And I just thought across the board, they just didn't affect that run game. They didn't match the physicality that the Jets were playing with. And when you don't do that against, uh, you know, they're not even like an average offensive line with the injuries that they have. You're not going to have success a lot of the times. It's just crazy. Well, first, you're right. I think I think Vaughn, he was visibly like during the game. I was there and he's like he was going up like you could see it on the field that he was just like, dude, what is going on? You could. And and I think one of the things that I love about that is um, it brings a different level of accountability. And it's not so I know sometimes like we see Tom Brady on the sideline throwing a tablet or we see Odell Beckham Jr. kicking the net or something like that. But you know, it's like this is one of those times where I look at what he did and the way he expressed himself. And it wasn't like over the top. It wasn't like, you know, yelling at his teammates. It wasn't like he was like really disrespecting guys, but it was more so like he was showing the frustration. He was holding himself accountable. And then I think because of the way he is, players around him will rally. And like you mentioned, Daquan meant, first of all, if Bills fans haven't paid attention this year, I need y'all to go back and watch the games and just literally pay attention to this dude. He is a top. I don't know what number I want to put on him because um, I'm sure statistically I could be proven wrong on certain things, but he's a top defensive tackle in this league this year. And if you don't believe me, go watch and then go pull up the stats. I'm sure somebody can tell me where he is. The dude has been playing lights out. 
like lights out. So moving on from from before I talk up like was finish up the game. So you said they're good. What are your final thoughts on the game? Like, why do we lose? Um, you know, I think it was, you know, a couple things. I think if the, if any of like three or four things happen differently, I think that they probably escape with a win. You know, Gabe Davis has two opportunities to make big plays on that one third down where Allen bought some time and threw it on the run. It wasn't a, a great throw, but it hit him right in the chest. He just couldn't make the play. And then crazy enough on that like 70 yard bomb. Like if you watch a slow motion replay, it actually, like it's tough coverage. It's tight coverage, but it hits him right in the numbers. Like that was an insane throw. And I think that's why most people are probably sitting here today thinking, all right, Josh Allen's got to be all right because he uncorked that unbelievable pass uh, after the injury. But I think, you know, we talk so much about Gabriel Davis in the offseason about stepping up into that number two wide receiver role. And you got to, you, you build trust with big plays and big moments. And listen, he's made big plays and big moments, none bigger yeah. than the four touchdown performance last year. But you can't live all off of that. Like you got to continue to kind of, you know, continue to build that rapport with your quarterback and, and knowing that, you know, when, when, when you need a big play, he's going to make it. So that was one. And then like, it is inexcusable to not be able to get a stop uh, on that seven minute drive or whatever it ended up be a six and a half minute drive mm -hmm. that ended up being the game winning drive. And in so many different ways, like there, you know, you can, you can probably pick out a player at each level. I thought Terrell Bernard was really bad. And Listen, mm -hmm. I don't want to focus too much on the rookie. I mean, it's his first ever start. He hasn't played football really in two months, like in live reps. So that was a big spot for him. I almost would have thought the better play there would have been Tyrell Dotson, but he's he's more familiar with the system. He's had more reps. He started games for them in the past. But whatever. You want to see what the rookie looks like. I get it. They got a problem with Jaquan Johnson. They got a problem there. Uh, I would not be surprised if they move off of him and whether that ends up being Dean Marlowe, uh, I know they really like Cam Lewis as well, and he might fit better in terms of that Jordan Poyer role, not only playing you know safety, but you have to be able to blitz. you got to be able to play up at the line of scrimmage. you got to be willing in the run game. And I think Dean Marlowe is all of that. But from an athletic profile, I just think maybe Cam Lewis fits the mold there a little bit better. I wouldn't be surprised if they move off Jaquan and, and maybe go a different direction there. He just did not get the job done on that last drive. And then, you know, I mentioned Oliver. I, I think you can name any of the, the defensive linemen uh, on that last drive. It just, it wasn't good enough. And, and you know what? So I'm agreeing with every single point you made the offense. Um, I guess, because it's not even just this last game. It's like the second half of the green Bay game as well. I feel like after Stefan Diggs, we're underwhelming on, on offense. And I love Gabe Davis. So, again, I, I'm like you. I don't want to kick guys when they're down or, like, if it's a bad performance, I don't want to make it seem like he's been horrible all season. But I don't think he's been as good as we've been giving him credit for either. Like, you look at his, his season statistics, he had a huge game against Pittsburgh. You know, he had a, a couple other games where he had made some big plays. But for the most part, consistently, I think he's, what, 18 receptions for 400 or 16 receptions for 100, 418 yards or something like that. That doesn't quite spell – wide receiver two or like josh put it in the pre in the preseason uh wide receiver one b numbers what is mm -hmm. i'll get to mckenzie in a moment i got strong feelings and questions about mckenzie but but what what 
what do you think the disconnect or the gap is? Because you mentioned the pass that hit him right in the numbers, which was unbelievable um, for Josh to make that type of throw after injuring his elbow. And, you know, we have, everybody knows we've been talking about it all week. What is um, what's the disconnect right now? I don't, I don't know. I, I think that it, it's a couple things like th- there's new players trying to f- fulfill new roles that they haven't fulfilled before. You know, Gabriel Davis has always been that utility guy. Like, oh, you need me to fill in for Emmanuel Sanders. You need me to fill in for John Brown. You need me to fill in for Cole Beasley. Got you. Like, I'm going to, I'll fill whatever need you do. I'm just looking for opportunities. I'm hungry for those opportunities. I still think he's hungry. I'm not questioning that at all. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. he's also dealing with an injury. I still think the effects of that ankle injury, you're seeing that. Like, I know he had a good game in Pittsburgh, but man, I just do not see him cutting with the same confidence that he was cutting with during training camp before that injury. So that's part of it. And then like for me, the passing game struggles in, in, in recent games here is that I was really down on Jamison Crowder in training camp from an availability perspective, just somebody that I just didn't know if he had a, a, a straight line path to a, a consistent role with Isaiah McKenzie coming back, but they are missing that instant separator at that slot spot. McKenzie wins in a different way. Like if you look at his big games against the Patriots and the Dolphins the last couple of years, look at some of the big plays they make. They're like 15, 20, 30 yards down the down the field. He's he's beating people with these crossing routes because of his speed. He's effective in the jet sweep game because of his speed. I don't know if it translates from a elusive quickness making a guy, you know, losing a guy at the line of scrimmage with his separation ability in the same way that a Cole Beasley did that. And that provides an immediate outlet for the quarterback. And it's, it's something that, you know, I can't say specifically, I'm not sitting there grinding film. Maybe it is happening and maybe Josh Allen's just not finding it, but it's not happening enough. And, and Allen's made those plays in the past. So I wonder if there's a little bit of a disconnect there, which is interesting because Allen talked a lot about like the familiarity with McKenzie and the fact that he's been there longer than any other receiver. And it just, it hasn't materialized the way, you know, that they hoped. And I have another side thought about this and it's something that's, it's a little bit of a critique I have of the way Sean and them do this. And and it's been really successful. So it's hard to really um, bang on them too much for it, but they do this thing where they give, players opportunities but only to a certain level right like boogie basham's playing in every game in year two right Mm -hmm. but he's playing 30 percent of the snaps less than shaq lawson who you brought in for the veterans minimum and i get it shaq has produced in this defense before and and he's earned that cachet he's he has playmaking ability in this defense but this is a guy you spent a second round draft pick on like it's Mm -hmm. time to find a plan for him and, and, and empower him to go deliver on that plan, whatever that looks like. Same thing for McKenzie. You draft him, you're, you, you bring him back, you say he's probably going to be that slot that slot role, and then you have him split in time with Jamison Crowder, and then now Khalil Shakir's in the mix, so now in time, and it's it's fluctuating week to week. And it's like the same, same thing with Devin Singletary. For weeks, it took them weeks to figure out, um, oh, hey, we have a really good running back. Let's just give him the majority of the work, and let's see if that – kind of fixes things and it did to a degree. I just think it's like it's it's never going to be perfect. But I think that sometimes you have to have a better individual plan for a player and and there's no better example of it Spence than 
Cody Ford and that failed experience with him, they never had a clear plan for him. And I think it really was one of the reasons that, you know, his career was kind of derailed here before he was traded. I say that all the time. And obviously I'm out here in Phoenix now where, where Cody is. And and one of the things when whenever I speak to other guys in media out here or I speak to fans who want to know, it's like, look, I, honest to God, I think I think that Cody Ford would have been a better player had the team decided to use him in one role, whether it be the role that they drafted him for at, at right guard or whether it was right tackle, whatever it was that they wherever they were going to put him put him there and develop him instead of like trying to make him this uh, Swiss army knife of a player to be able to play every position. And I know they value guys who can play multiple positions on the line, but I mean, there's hall of fame players that I've interviewed like on the offensive line that says, man, like it's incredibly difficult to go from the left side to the right side. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I was able to do it, but it's hard. And when you just, you know, you're, you're bringing a guy in as a rookie and then you're like just expecting that out of him. So to back up your point and to further your point, they're doing it with other players as well. Um, McKenzie, I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I have a, a love-hate type thing when it comes to McKenzie because I, th- I think he's one of the greatest guys in the in the locker room. I think he's one of the the smartest guys. You know, I I don't think he gets enough credit for how smart and intelligent he is. But what, it, what I just see is like it just seems like it's mistake after mistake after mistake and the bills just keep going with them. So I understand where you're coming from, where it's like, look, you bring them back, put them in there. But then it's like, you know, last season, special teams, he just, you know, he just couldn't figure it out this year. Same thing in in, in his role in the offense. He'll, he'll make a play here or there. He has a couple of touchdowns, but I just don't see him being consistently the weapon that we thought he would. And I don't know. I just I, I would much rather see Shakir. You know, and that's just me personally. Um, from what I've seen, I think I think the, the rookie's ready. I think that he he brings some things that not Cole Beasley. I don't want to put that type of pressure and say that he does things that like Cole. But I think every time we've gotten him in the ball in certain situations, he's produced and he's done what he had to do in order to help this offense keep moving. So I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts necessarily on that? Like, I know you just kind of gave me some thoughts on McKenzie, but, mm-hmm. you know, I just like I said, I just keep seeing for me mistake after mistake after mistake. And I, at this point, I don't understand why the team is still pushing him in this role. It's it's challenging. And I think, you know, there the thing with Shakir and I was just talking about this with Ryan on the show earlier what they told us by trading for Hines and immediately putting him in the punt return spot is that they're trying to take things off his plate. They're trying to scale things back and letting him develop a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say naturally, but like at a slower pace. And so throwing him, thrusting him into the featured slot receiver role in this offense, that would be a real uptick in, uh, you know, basically saying like, yeah, I'm really happy with his development and we're ready to see him in a much larger role. And so I think, you know, the, the Heinz trade happened. They took him off punts and they slashed his, his receiver snaps um, in the slot compared to what McKenzie had last year. So I think maybe if you're looking for an alternative to McKenzie, I think Shakir, and I said this before the season, I think his best fit this year is in that Gabe Davis rookie year, like window, like, uh, or, or uh, runway. He's going to be whatever you need that week, put him into that spot. I think Hines can become kind of like a quasi slot receiver. And that's something that Brandon Bean talked about immediately after they traded for him. But I think if you take those three guys and say, all right, who can win on their routes immediately off the line of scrimmage the best? I think you can make an argument that Hines could be that guy. 
He's been in this league before, maybe not always out of the slot, but you go back to his his college tape, go look at some of you know the separation ability as a receiver when he was at NC State. I, I, that's impressive to me. And he's confident in that ability. So get him get, get him comfortable in the office see, offense, see if that works. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a problem. It's something they're going to have to try to get brainstorm and, and come up with an idea there. I could see Hines, you know, being in that role. I, um, I got, I got dragged on Twitter, um, the day that <clears throat> the trade happened. I wasn't so like, I questioned it. I, you know, I, I tweeted, like, I never questioned Brandon Bean, but why? And I wasn't doing it from a standpoint of like, yo, I hate, I hate Hines as a player. And I hate this move. First, the first aspect of it was as a fan, you know, there were, reports whether they were true or not i know what brandon bean said in this presser after but you know we were linked to alvin Kamara, we were linked to kareem hunt so as a fan it's like alvin Kamara, stefan diggs josh yes give me that and then you get heinz and it's like again not that he's a bad player i think he's a very good player and i think he's going to be a great weapon for josh allen but you know you know the letdown there was something but overall i can absolutely see i can absolutely see heinz being a, a a key role, a key player in this offense. Um, so you know what? Let's kind of let's pivot a little bit now, and let's kind of talk about that. Um, Before you pivot, I know I know what you're doing, Jay Spence. You were leading up to the trade deadline. You had the Madden franchise on the on on the monitor next to you. You traded for Elvin Kamara. You I won did. a Super Bowl in the franchise, and then you were like, I Brandon, I, I did it on Madden, dude. Just do it. Just trade you know for what? him. I simulated it and it was and it was a Super Bowl. I didn't even have to play the whole thing. <laughs> like, like, could you imagine what that offense would look like with Alvin Kamara? Like, I mean, I, again, I, I get it. I get it. But just for a moment as a fan, like, and I know you cover the team. No, so you have I love to take it. Your fan I love love, it. But it's like, dude, like Alvin Kamara and, and Stefan Diggs. Like, how do you cover? Like, uh, Matt, you could do so much with Alvin Kamara. Like the one thing that the challenge there would be, and it's going to be the same challenge, I think, with Odell Beckham Jr., um, as much as I think it makes total sense for the Bills to, you know, move mountains to try to figure out how to make get that done is just the contract and how it fits in. I mean, you know, we could talk about a bunch of different players and like, you know, the Tremaine Edmonds looming extension, uh, Ed Oliver looming extension, a Jordan Poyer extension, like all these things like the money runs out at some point. I know that the the Saints are actually the perfect example of how maybe you can figure it all out and finagle it all. But, you know, he Brandon really wants to keep this thing healthy from a cap perspective. So, you know, paying a running back that kind of money, you know, maybe someday they, they land on a spot where they feel like that's part of what needs to take them over the top if they're na- not able to win a Super Bowl. Uh, but right now in the here and now, I, I, I think Hines is a fine addition at this point, especially if you pair it with, a, with an OBJ signing. But if he wants three years, that could be tough. Yeah, no, and like I said, I get it. Like, once I take the fandom out of it and it's like, okay, now let me be serious about this. I completely understand. Like, Josh's contract kicks in next year, you know, and there's other things, other moves that, as a fan, I want them to make. You know, we could talk about Jordan Poirier that we're going to in a bit. I I keep saying, sign him. I keep giving my guy Tremaine love. This is my dude, my guy. I love you, Tremaine. So I want him to be signed. You know, like, so I get it. You can't keep everybody and you can't sign every free agent or you can't trade for every guy that, that you're linked to. So I get it. But uh, let's pivot a little bit. Um, Sean McDermott, who I love uh, as a not just a coach on the sideline, but I love his personality in a way. It's like he's he's not quite um, 
you know, Bill Belichick, where he's just like so dry that, you know, you're not getting anything out of him. But then he's also he's very calculated in what he chooses to say and what he chooses to give. Today was one of those pressers where it was like it was almost comical where he's like, I'm not giving you nothing. So, you know, what what were your takeaway, you know, from from that presser? You know, and as obviously we all want to know about the Josh Allen injury. We all want to know about. But but what do you take away from his energy today in the presser? Is it more so on a competitive advantage thing? So I'm not saying nothing. Or is it really, you know, hey, we just got to wait and see how Josh feels come Sunday morning. Well, it's always a competitive advantage thing with him uh, and, and a lot of coaches that, you know, take that tactic um, of, you know, just keeping everything in house. And, you know, somebody told me um, recently, like a, an acquaintance or something, because I've literally gotten more texts, DMs in the last 48 hours than I have my entire five years covering this team. And they said, um, they knew somebody at a um, a clinic or something that Josh Allen goes to or has gone to, and they were peppering them for information. They wouldn't even tell them like anything, and it's like that's that's their that's their uh, mo. Like that, they want to keep everything uh, come hell or high water in house. Uh, and not let anything out. And it's a competitive advantage, but it's also just, I think there's also like for, for McDermott, it's kind of like a commitment to the player. Like if Josh wants to get shed light on what's going on with him medically, he'll probably leave it up to him to do it. Like if he ends up doing Kyle Brandt's podcast this week, I don't know if there's a definitive word on that yet. Uh, he hasn't talked to the media yet. I don't know if he will this week, especially if he doesn't practice tomorrow. Um, so there's that part of it too. Um, and, and, and listen, it's comical, but, you know, he did give us something in the sense that, you know, day to day with Sean McDermott, I mean, you can read between the lines there. This is not as serious as it probably could have been, at least at this stage, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the reports out there from Ian Rappaport that it's a sprained UCL, UCL, which is kind of like a slight tear, very similar, if not exactly similar to the injury he had in 2018, which kept him out for four games. And you start thinking about four games and you're, you're looking at, you know, obviously this week against the Vikings, Cleveland, Detroit, and then you start the AFC East run. And so that's really the timetable for me. It's like, these games are important. They're all important. The bills want to get the number one seat, but you need him healthy and ready to go for that stretch run against the AFC East teams that listen, this is probably the best division in football. Now, all of a sudden crazy to talk about considering where this thing was in March. Yeah, that's wild because, again, like you said, um, coming into the season, everybody thought the AFC West was going to be what the AFC East is right now, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that that division is so confusing. But but yeah, like now Miami looks like a contender almost threw up a little bit of my mouth there saying that uh, <laughs> the Jets, like we mentioned earlier, they're they're actually a decent team. They're they're winning games they're winning close games. They have good defense and the coach has those guys inspired. Um and the Patriots aren't disappearing, you know, like they're not fading off into the sunset right now. They're actually trying to stay competitive and win. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I thought that was I did think his presser was a little bit competitive or a um, little little funny there. I thought I, I like how Sean does that, though. I love his personality. But uh, let's talk a little bit about some of these other injuries. Um, I think I think the Tremaine Edmonds one for me hurts. Obviously, that's my guy. Um is, is this injury serious? Because, you know, it, the, the thing that always gets me is how guys end games and they play 
I thought Tremaine played pretty well besides the entire defense not doing well with the run. But, um, you know, then you come out of the game and then you see these type of injuries on the injury report. And same thing happened last week with Matt Milano where, you know, he played – I thought he played very well against Green Bay. He's having an all-pro season, and then all of a sudden he has an oblique injury and he's out. And it's just like, what is it, what's happening? So um, is this Tremaine injury – does this sound like a, a serious thing or is it just like, okay, he'll be all right, just let him rest a couple of days? Uh, I, I don't like seeing groin on the injury report. Whenever you see that, especially for a linebacker, I mean, for any position, like on defense, but like for, for Tremaine, whose game is predicated on moving sideline to sideline, a groin injury is a huge problem. So we're going to monitor this over the course of the week. It's really bad sign that he didn't practice today, although I think he might have not practiced last week on Wednesday. I have to go back and look. Um, but by Friday, it was good. So tomorrow's a huge day for Tremaine. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, all indications are going to be that he won't play this week. And then it's going to be interesting. Like, what do the Bills do? You know, if they're able to get Matt Milano back, which it seems like he's on a really good track now, you know, maybe he could have played on Sunday if it was a playoff game um, is kind of the vibe that you get. But um, Tremaine Edmonds, if he's out and you get Matt Milano back, do you now roll with Tyrell Dotson, who I think probably, like I mentioned earlier, would have been a better idea than Bernard last week. Give him a chance, see what it looks like. Because go back to last season, I think it was last season when he had to play in the Miami game. I thought Dotson held up pretty well for himself. And mm -hmm. you know, I know Bernard's listed as the backup Mike linebacker, but that might be something that you want to take a look at. I don't like seeing groin. He's still got heel listed on the injury report as well. So, yeah, definitely something we're monitoring this week. And another big one for me, um, the podcaster Bruce Nolan is out with his throat gone, and I don't like that at all. We got to get this Buffalo Bills training staff to pick it back up because I'm seeing too many injuries, and when Bruce is limited, that's a problem because the Bruce exclusive has to drop Thursday, and I don't think that is going to drop this week, and I'm very, I'm very upset about that. But you know, what you, decide, you, know what you need? You know what you need, Bruce, if you're watching? Get those honey lozenges, you know, the, uh, the cough drops. Just mm -hmm. start just, just – have them on the cycle. Like you're popping one out. of those in every five or 10 minutes. You'll be surprised. You know, have a little tea, have a little tea. Listen, Bruce is, um, Bruce is like really like, you know, he's classy, right? I could see him having a spot of tea, you know, and just have a little bit of it and you'll feel, <laughs> you'll feel good by the end of the day. I, I believe in you, Bruce. I believe in him too. I think he roughed it out for me last night on the code of conduct, man. Like he had the he had the quiet storm voice on and everything. Mm. I'm like, man, I appreciate it. And now today's like, yeah, my show might be a little short, so we got to get <laughs> Bruce back healthy. But but hey, okay. So again, we talked about Jordan a little bit. Um, we don't have to go too deep into um, much of anything. I know he's he has a lot going on, but I'm concerned personally. He a couple weeks ago he re-injured that arm, and he said that he felt or heard a pop mm -hmm. to me when I, when I hear about pops in when it comes to ligaments or when it comes to stuff like that, I get really nervous, but everything that I'm hearing is that he may be possibly coming back at some point soon. So it's not going to be a season thing. It's not going to be, um, is there anything that, that you kind of feel or that you're hearing about Jordan Port coach McDermott said day to day. So does that mean yeah. he could potentially play this Sunday or are we looking yeah. at next week? For me, like, um, you look at all the things that we're seeing day to day. He's still around the team. He's still he's still kind of like working off to the side, uh, not only in practice but on Sunday. Last Sunday, he he traveled to the game. He went through all the pregame work. I know that he wasn't going to play. Um, the pop thing, of course, that's that's a serious deal, right? But I think it's very similar 
to the injury that he suffered during training camp. And so probably a re-aggravation of that. Um, but to me, I go back to the day-to-day moniker. And, I, and I, I think it could be something that, you know, he might have to sort out at some point. Like it might be an injury that, you know, not in a perfect situation where, you know, you probably want him out there with a, with a healthy uh, elbow, but probably something that he can play through in all indications from the bills right now is that he will be able to, to do that at some point. I won't be, I wouldn't be surprised though, if he's not able to come back this week, still still working through it. If you remember back to training camp, he was out, he suffered that injury pretty early, like one of the early days because it became a real big storyline with him wanting the new contract and he wasn't back. He didn't play the whole preseason. And I don't think he was really full back in practice for a couple of weeks. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, Brian Bauer says he won't be surprised if or when they shut Poyer down for the season. He hope it doesn't happen. I hope that doesn't I'd be, happen. Yeah, I'd no. be very surprised. I'd be very surprised would, if that happens. I would, too. I feel like Poyer is one of those guys where it's like, you know, I'm I'm going to play. Like, you know, uh, but I don't know. I, I, the way I see it, the team needs to re-up re Poyer. I've been saying that all, all year. Re-up my guy, 21. Make it happen. But at the same time, I got I want to re-up Tremaine. I want to re up like I I, can, I got a list of guys I want to pay. If I had to choose between the two, I, I would it would be difficult because I want both of those guys to be here. Um, shout out to my guy Steve Lynn. He said, "What about hiring Reich as an offensive advisor to help us in the run game in red zone?" How many offensive advisors can the Bills have? Uh, they got Mike Shula who comes back. Uh, used to be the OC for the Carolina Panthers. They brought him back this off season, and he's out of practice every day and. Um, Ken Dorsey was obviously on his staff there. So I don't know if there's enough room for another offensive advisor. And really um, they have a lot of, you know, experience with Aaron Cromer at the O-line coach position. And, you know, obviously Joe Brady has been an offensive coordinator in the league. Um, I like the idea of Frank Reich down the line if he's available because the Bills could be in a situation like if they really finish the year hot and they have a great playoff run and this offense is humming like it was in the playoffs last year, we could be talking like one and done for Ken Dorsey, which, you know, getting a head coaching job, if there's enough turnover. And then you're like, all right, what are you going to do there? Like, I, I, I like the idea of maybe Joe Brady. Um, but, man, if that doesn't work out, like Frank Reich being out there, be interesting. I, I, and I'm sorry to say, man, I wasn't even cutting you off there. But when you mentioned him getting a job as a head coach first, I would love that for him. I would hate that for us. But <laughs> real quick, let, um, I, I do want to have a side conversation real quick, man. What the hell is going on in Indianapolis? Like that that signing. I mean, again, I'm not going to make this about race. Obviously, I've seen that so many times when it happens. And it really every coaching you cycle. Could. You could. You could. This is a wild. This is a wild stuff, man. Like. There had to be somebody on that staff that like somebody keep the piece together. Listen, so one one thing that I I've been meaning to tweet this all day, but a couple things. I've been so busy with the Josh Allen stuff. Um, I wanted to have this tweet, but I haven't had time to go back and watch the press conference yet because apparently Jim Ursay is just absolutely off his rocker in this in this yeah. press conference. So I want to go check it out. But listen, how many days passed? from when the New Jersey Nets fired Steve Nash to when Jim Ursay hired Jeff Saturday, <laughs> literally the same situation, except Steve Nash is like a hall of famer, like Jeff Saturday. Maybe, I don't know. Like maybe he will be, but like no coaching experience at all. How did that go for the Nets? And they had superstars on this team. And I know a lot of other stuff, the trade, the Harden, the Simmons, the Kyrie, all that kind of stuff. But like, 
I just think that's a recipe for disaster. When you, you ask somebody to come in, do one of the most difficult things in, in pro sports, and that's coach an NFL football team with so many moving parts and so many personalities and, and coaches on your staff and like just the organizational structure. And you're just going to say, Hey, you never done this before, but come on in. It's just, wild. it's just wild to me, man. Like, and like I said, when I started, it's like, I'm not going to make this about race. You mean to tell me nobody on that coaching staff who there's so many guys that have, Actually, everybody on that staff has more experience as a coach than he does because he had none outside of high school football. And it's just insane to me. Insane. But, okay, back to the Bills. Because, you know, that (laughs) – dude, I I laugh at it every time I bring it up. Uh, But let's talk about my man Trey White. Everybody has been excited about Trey coming back. Last week, you know, everybody was really excited because that window was up and they, you know, activated him and all this stuff. But then he wasn't active on game day. For me, I had a, a deep sigh of relief. Because I didn't want to see Trey come back on that turf. I feel like that stadium is notorious for destroying people's ACLs. And with him recovering from from an ACL tear, I absolutely did not want that to happen to him there. So um, do we see Trey starting this week going up against Justin Jefferson, you know, or, you know, Thielen? Like, I think this might be a tough week for him to make his first start. How do you feel about um, the Trey White availability going into this weekend? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, I, I don't think we're, we're we've talked enough about the challenge of coming back for Trey White, even if it's like on a on a pitch count, especially like against like an elite receiver. Like, and he, this is the part of it for me that I'm thinking most about. It's like it's not that I don't think he has the potential to come back and be close to the same guy. It wouldn't surprise me if he was. But if he comes back and it's a real, like, really tough day against a guy that is really good, like, does that have any, you know, impact on his confidence? On you know, he spent all this time working his way back, and he in his first game back, he just he has a couple plays that he wants back, and that could happen anyway. It could happen in any game. It doesn't have to just be against Justin Jefferson. But I just like, I just think that the the build up to this has been you've waited this long. If you're Sean McDermott and you know your cornerbacks, like if you if you want to say anything about Sean McDermott, there's not there's not many coaches in this league that know a position better than he knows defensive back. You know when Trey White's ready to go, when you're going to get the the closest version to what he was as he can be. And so I think you just trust it. And I just think that there is no rush. You have Kyer Elam, you have Christian Benford, you have uh, obviously Dane Jackson. You have three really good cornerbacks that have held up better than I think anybody would have predicted for this amount of time without Trey white. So there's just, there's just no rush on it. And and I know there's a frustration because this is the big thing. People are, are seeking the juice that's going to come from Trey white's return. It's going to be fun, man. Like mm-hmm. this is the dude that like, you know, the play sheets are blown across the field and he yeah. runs up and tries to read him real quick. Like <laughs> nobody loves Trey white as much as I do, man. I love that dude's personality. I love covering him. I love talking to him. Dude, we we didn't talk to him for over a year. Like he wasn't really doing weekly media scrums before. Like the COVID stuff was just it was weird for everybody. And like he wasn't doing media scrums for when the season started. And we hadn't talked to him since when it was Thanksgiving, like for like two and a half months. Mm-hmm. And then the injury happened, and I wrote about it. He kind of like had to get dragged out of his basement. He was depressed. Obviously, like I mean, he played football his whole life, and it got taken away from him. And so throughout the whole process. We have not spoken. The media has not spoken to Tredavis White. And 
the thing about last week for me was like I am unbiased and I do do this I do the job covering this team despite the fact that I grew up you know rooting for it he's one of the guys that no matter what I root for because I just I love the guy like I think he's everything that's great about professional sports like I love his personality I love what he what he means in the community I love his story and how he got to where he's where he is and um so yeah, I, I'm just as excited as anybody else to see his return. But I think that's one thing that you could say definitively about this regime is that they they put the player first in every decision that they make, and you just trust that. I felt like there was some frustration from, and maybe frustration is the wrong word because I know I know guys are doing their job when they're asking Coach McDermott questions. But I felt like even in the way, um, not today's presser, but but Monday's presser, when they're like, "Well, why activate him if you're not going to play him?" And why, you know, was it a plan of yours to bring him back even if he wasn't ready? Um, is there a is there a reason? Obviously, he like you mentioned, he wasn't quite ready. Um, could we not have waited another week before starting the 21 day window or another two weeks? Or was, was, is that something that they would have had to then send them to injured reserve for the year? Um, Cause I, th- I see some people talking about that in the comments, but I really don't have an answer. So I, I would like to get, get your input on that. So how it would have worked was if they didn't activate him to the 53 man roster, once they opened his practice window within the 21 days, then he would have been uh, had to go back to IR and it would have been out for the season. What they could have done was activated him to the 53-man roster, then put him back on PUP or our short-term IR, I believe, and then that would be four weeks uh, he can't practice. Then you could open up another window. So they would have had to activate him, and then they could have put him back on. But they activated him, I think, with the idea that, like, all right, he could be three weeks away, but maybe he could be six weeks away, and we're fine with either – one of those mm-hmm. outcomes because um, of the confidence they have and the depth that they have. I, I mean, I just, I, I'm agreeing with everything that you said earlier. I'm just ready for the energy, man. Like he's, he's one of the most fun dudes that I think, and, and the Buffalo Bills got some fun guys on the roster now, but just overall, when I think of like star power ability, he's to me, he's just like one of the most complete guys that we've had in Western New York and so, in, in so long, man. And, you know, I root for him, like you. I root for him every time I get the chance, man. The dude is awesome. Just an incredible dude. So, all right, um, the Vikings. They're coming into Western New York, seven and one. Are they are they who who they appear to be, or are they are who we think they are? You know, like who 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 is this team? I, I don't think that they're seven and one good, but their record shows it. So, you know, what is your perspective of this team? Yeah, I think that I think they're good. I think they're solid on both sides of the ball. I think they got some playmakers on both sides of the ball. I think there are some areas where the Bills could take advantage of them. I don't know that I that their offensive line is going to have a really good day against the Bills uh, front, especially a pissed off Bills front that is coming off of a game where you know they probably didn't play their best. And for a few weeks now, I don't think that they've been as good, like. The pinnacle of the season so far for the pass rush to me was against Kansas City, where they really got after Patrick Mahomes. Von Miller had the sacks. And so you look at both sides of the ball. You obviously have to deal with Justin Jefferson and Delvin Cook when they have the ball. You have to deal with Zadarius Smith, who eight and a half sacks, 20 pressures. He's that dude. Like Von Miller said it today. He's going crazy this year. And he's somebody that the Bills are going to game plan specifically for. And then you got Dan- Daniel Hunter on the inside. So they have some guys, they have some dudes, but coming off of the game against the Jets, where I feel like they got a bunch of dudes, like the, the Jets go like five or six deep of like really good players. That Bryce Huff, 
he's like their fifth or sixth guy in, uh, in terms of who you're like thinking about when you're game planning for them. And dude was a beast for them on yeah. Sunday. And yeah. when you had that kind of depth on the defensive line, you're going to be a tough team to play against. So, um, yeah, they got they got some players. I think it's going to be an emotional return to Buffalo for Harrison Phillips, who still is very, very involved in the community. I've been so impressed with the way that he's kept uh, his charity uh, going in Buffalo simultaneously and in Minnesota. And Sean uh, mentioned uh, today how much he still tries to keep up with Harrison and watch what he's doing and rooting for his success. Probably not so much this week, but um, yeah, that'll be a fun storyline as well. But no, they're a really good, solid team. The seven and one to me holds up. Um, I think they could come in here and win this game. I think they could come in here and win this game. Josh Allen was playing if they played like they did last week and then it, and they continue to have the kind of struggles on offense. So um, it's a good matchup. And if, if Case Keenum plays, the one thing the Bills will have going for them if Case Keenum's in is just the, uh, you know, the Mi- Minneapolis miracle, like the throwback, like you know, mm-hmm. the the one and done. I, I'm sure, I'm sure Case Keenum feels some type of way about the way things ended there and going on to to Denver and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I think it could be, it's going to be a fun game. So let's look at it from both sides because you just kind of, kind of. Th- lobbed it up there for me to knock it off the park with the easy question for you so hypothetically if the bills have josh what's the game plan to win if the bills don't have josh what's the game plan to win how do you see this um you know because because obviously there are two different game plans you can't go in there you know thinking that case keenum is gonna throw 70 yard bombs on the run like josh does so um let's talk about josh first if josh plays first likelihood that you think and again i know this is all hypothetical nobody knows if he's going to play nobody knows if he isn't but do you do you if you had to put a number on it do you think he is 50 50 for you or do you think it's closer to like 80 20 or how do you feel about josh playing and then what's the game plan with him i was thinking about today um i'm probably 95 percent thinking that josh allen doesn't play on sunday so i'm fully preparing for covering a game with case keenum at quarterback um, I just think it's one of those situations where, you know, maybe, you know, I, I don't know, like I, the, the problem is I can't tell you where he's at in terms of being able to just throw a ball, like grip a ball and throw a ball. So if we don't have that data, like it's hard to like make an informed opinion. Um, but not practicing Wednesday to me is a big deal. They got a game plan for the Vikings. So if case is taking all those snaps, uh, those practice reps on Wednesday, and then maybe again on Thursday, then I'm like really going to kind of go in on that. And and you go back to the rookie year and then being really cautious with it and him staying out four weeks. And so at least one week is probably the expectation at this point. Now, would it surprise me if he plays, I guess not really knowing who Josh Allen is and, you know, knowing the competitive nature of their team. Um, but I think the biggest difference is like if, if case plays, you got to be able to run the ball. You got to be able to turn the. You got to be able to not turn the ball over on offense, and then you got to get this defense back playing like it was before. And if this turns into like a a twenty seventeen game, I think that that is something the Bills can 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 stay in and have a chance to win. They just got to execute, and you know, guys got to step up and make plays around Case Keenum even more so than they do have to around around Josh if he were to play. 
Well, the spread is shrinking, man. Like it, they yeah. opened up at seven and a half, and now I think today I saw that it was at four and a half. So um, I'm, I'm guessing that Vegas thinks that you know Josh probably won't play, and if he does, then we all know he's not a hundred percent. So um, my man, Renaissance man, in here. This is this is I guess where I was going. I, I I think when the Bills have finally decided, like you mentioned earlier, when they decided, you know what, let's just really let Devin Singletary get into this rhythm and see what he does when we give him 15 to 20 carries. I think he's rewarded the Buffalo Bills with a very good run game when he gets those opportunities. Um, I think that's the game plan, whether Josh plays or not. It should be letting motor cook. How do you feel about a run game, like a heavy dose of a run game this week? Because I could even see James Cook having a day, you know? Yeah, uh, I think um, they're all right. They're giving up 111 yards on the ground. Uh, per game. Uh, I was looking at their numbers before our show earlier. And so, you know, I, I think you could probably run against them. I, I think they're front, especially if they're trying to dial things up and get pressure on case Keenum. You could, you can uh, mitigate some of that. If you're able to run the ball, I I've been a little bit less than impressed with Spencer Brown in the run game this year, which is disheartening. I think if you're a bills fan, because that's what was supposed to be his strength. Um, if you look at some of his clips from his rookie year, when he was really good, it was in, the run game. Um, and it just hasn't been there and he's trending in a good direction. He was limited today, but I thought he did the most work that he's done in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so yeah, I like the idea of getting motor involved that they, they seem to be wanting to ramp things up for James cook a little bit. So, um, we'll see if, you know, Devin Singletary is going to get 80% of the snaps or 80% of the touches. I don't know if that's really in the cards at this point, just because of how much they, they use cook last week. And what really stood out to me too, about that game was like cook's involvement, like in the first quarter, they, they weren't like wasting any time. They weren't like waiting to the second half to get him involved. So I, I always, I'm always for the idea of getting Devin Singletary uh, as Brandon Bean says, working up a lather, you know what I mean? And getting him in, 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 a lot of touches, but it seems like they're trying to get on the, and plus it's the, it's the cook cook versus cook ball. Okay. So yeah. this could be a game where they want to get the ball to James, uh, any way that they can, uh, going up against big brother. I'm just saying a dude named James is always going to win. I just got to put that out there in case people don't know what the J and J Spence, the King is for boom. There it is. We're yeah. 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 That's a great question. Ahead. Actually, let me do some journalism. So what is your <laughs> full legal name? James Spencer Pennington love it james it spencer pennington so sounds I, I rich. It, it it sounds very like official <laughs> you know what it sounds it sounds regal is what it sounds the king there it is the there it is <laughs> so well let's um normally at this point of the show joe and i we always kind of do some score predictions and a josh allen stat line prediction i don't know if you um are comfortable kind of giving what you think will happen as far as the, the overall score of the game, but let's get to get it going in the comments. Tell me what you guys think. And, and uh, if you're comfortable giving me a prediction, give me one. If, if you don't want to give me a, a score, then at least kind of just predict how you feel the flow of the game will go. And then uh, we'll get on out of here, man. Sweet. Yeah. I'll give you the score. Uh, I got to put it in every, every Tuesday to my producer channel four for the pregame show. Uh, I got the bills winning and this is projection is with Case Keenan playing 20 to 17. Um, I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a hard time. I think that the Bills defensive front is going to overwhelm that offensive line for the Miami or for the Minnesota Vikings. And then I think the Bills are just going to make enough plays. Like, listen, I, you, you downgrade going from Josh Allen to, to, to Case Keenum. 
but you're not downgrading the weapons that Josh Allen has to work with. So, oh my gosh, buff hub. He's off. He's off the deep end. My, my, my man, Steve Vega, love him, but he's always, he's always coming up with some conspiracy stuff. Um, what, what did he say? He, he said earlier in the chat, move Tredavious white to safety. To what safety, are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing here, Steve? Um, I just, no, I'll tell, tell you right a, now. Well, I'll tell you right quick, now. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a very, very public supporter of legalized marijuana. I just need to know where he is buying his batch from because I need that string. Because if you're, you know what I mean? Like a lot of takes it. Now, last week he got me because I said that the, there's no way the Buffalo Bills weren't going to cover that spread. We were going to destroy the Jets. And he's like, I don't know, man. So he got me last week. But come on. Like, you, you got to chill, Steve. <laughs> I, I I just don't know. Like, I want to look up when's the last time a team has scored 38 points at Highmark Stadium. Like, and, and why you think that's going to be the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. And I think they're scoring like. You gotta look it up, but I, I think they're scoring like twenty five points a game. Um, no, I don't think I don't see that happening. I can see the Vikings winning the game. I I don't see them putting up thirty eight points. Uh, that's that's a bold prediction. Um, yeah, I think it's gonna be low scoring. I think it's gonna, I think it has a chance to be low scoring, even if Josh Josh plays. I think they're gonna want to be conservative. I think mm-hmm. that they're you, they are gonna try to run the ball a little bit more. Maybe not uh you know push the ball down the field as much. Um. But yeah, it could be ugly. And, and a couple of comments in here about the weather. I saw some snow maybe in the forecast. Some some nasty, uh, some nastiness coming after a beautiful uh, fall in Western New York. the The weather's changing, my friend. It's about to get Don't be uh, cussing nasty. At me don't I'm be cussing at me. That's a, that's why I, I normally tell people my cutoff is October. I, I snuck a good game in this this weekend went with the Jets game. New York had beautiful weather over the week. Beautiful weather. Uh, but yeah, oh, I think that's beautiful I think, indeed. Yeah, that's wonderful. my cutoff though for sure. Um, I, I'm I'm thinking I agree with you. Even if Josh plays, man, I don't think it's going to be one of those games. I think they're going to try to protect his arm. So even if he plays, they're not going to go out there and let him throw it 45 times. So I think it's absolutely going to be a low scoring game. They're going to try some some things to keep the whole just keep everything close. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I'm gonna say I, I think the Bills win. Not even for offense. I think the Buffalo Bills defense is ticked off. I think that they're like, look. We didn't stop the run right. Ain't no way Dalvin Cook is gonna come in here and and run all over us. He might he might get his. He's a great running back, but I just don't I don't think it's gonna be one of those things where, um, you know, we revert back to a defense that can't stop the run. So um, I'm gonna go Bills 17 to 13. I think that is one of those games where it's like, you know, they try to make a comeback there in the fourth quarter might not happen, but you know, I, I think the Bills still win. We're gonna win at home. We're not gonna you know all of a sudden fall apart and unravel. If you would have told me over the summertime, hey, Spence, going into week 10, man, we're going to be six and two, first in the division, first in the conference. I would have taken that 10 times out of 10. Like, I know we lost to, to the Dolphins. I know we lost to the Jets. So that's ugly. Like, you don't ever want to be 0-2 in a division. But you're six and two. And at this point, even being 0-2 in a division, your destiny is in your hands. Like, you are the number one seed right now. Just keep winning games. Keep playing hard. So, yeah, I, I, I try to caution Bills fans. Woosa, just relax a little bit there. Like, we don't have to freak out and jump off the cliff. The Bills are still in control. We just have to keep winning games. I think, that, I think that's well said. I, I, and, I, and I tweeted that out on Monday, too. It's like sometimes you just have to have a little perspective. Like, everything's not going to be perfect over the course of a season. Um, it's the reason why the Miami Dolphins 72 team 
breaks out the champagne every year because you know it's it's hard to 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 have it be perfect every single week. And the Bills have lost two games this season by a combined five points. Um, Richard mentions zero and two in the AFC East. That that isn't great, right? But here's a little nugget that, to remember: all those teams have to play all the other AFC East teams again and again and again all season long. Mm-hmm. So by the end of this thing, it's going to be like a demolition. I, I think there's going to be if you if you think a team is going five and one in the AFC East, any of those four, I just think you're sadly mistaken because I think any one of those teams can knock off any of the other at any given moment. And I'm pretty sure the Dolphins, who I still think are the best of those other three, they've already lost in, in the division already. And so you control that if you're the Bills because you get to play them again at home. So um, a lot of work still to be done for the Bills in the AFC East, two against the Patriots, two at home against the Jets and the Dolphins, and, the, and those are must-wins win games now. Brian Bauer says, this team is way too Josh Allen-centric. I agree. He said, I find it very difficult to see us winning without him because of that. Now, this is the part, so I agree with the first half of that, but I think an injury to Josh Allen can actually be a blessing in disguise because I think it can it can challenge Ken Dorsey and it can challenge the rest of the offense to say, you know what, we can't let Josh Allen throw for 350 and rush for 85. Like we have to find ways to, to help our quarterback out outside of Stefan Diggs. And I think a game like this is one of those games that they use to figure that out. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just very – I'm still confident about this team. I'm still confident going into this weekend. Um, Matt – Thank you, man. I appreciate every time I get to spend some time with you, man. I, I really, it, it's a pleasure. And, uh, you know, anytime that you ever need me, you already know, just call or shoot a text and you already know I'm there for you. Why don't you let everybody know what you got going on this week? If you got any good articles or content coming out and where they can find it and, uh, and, and make sure you go follow my guy, man. If you don't, if you don't, something's wrong with you. Go, go follow my guy. Yeah, man. We just dropped the shout pod. Uh, we'll have another one, the preview show on Friday. We're live after every game. Um, and then uh, head over to Syracuse.com. I just put out a story today. We talked to uh, Case Keenum, Stefan Diggs, and Von Miller about this whole quarterback situation. Uh, it was a fun, fun write. Von Miller even suggested that he could play quarterback. He was joking, obviously. But fun story. That's up at the website right now. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, y'all know how I do it here. Let me let me show some love to some people real quick, though. My man Steve Vega was in there. Make sure y'all check out the Buff Hub on Fridays where he does his over under predictions tomorrow night. The three man rush is live again. 9 p.m. Make sure you check this out. We got the big O, Jerry Ostrowski and Sarah Larson and my man Coach Troy. I always say his last name wrong. Forgive me, Coach. I love you. Three man rush. It's they do some college stuff. They talk about the UB Bulls. They talk about Syracuse. They talk about the playoff teams. Dope show. Check it out. Then this Sunday, immediately following the game, we're bringing time to shine back. We're going to try to compete a little bit with WGR, let you call in and tell us how you feel after the game. Show us the love. Show us the anger. Whatever you got by, is going to be hosted by my man Thomas DeLaus. And then Monday night, he's going to be bringing his late night show, the Buffalo Late Night to Buffalo, or Buffalo Rumblings, a fanatic. Shout out to Buffalo Fanatics. But he's going to be bringing it to Buffalo Rumblings. Shout out to everybody that got some shows coming. And next week, I got some more news for you. It's going to be big time news for Buffalo uh, Rumblings fans. Please, please stay tuned. Everybody, I love y'all. Y'all know how we do it. Take care of each other. Love each other and live in peace. And as always, stay positive, test negative, go Bills.